Dylan James, and I am in a random house in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, recording the show by myself. However, I do have my good friend JT Taylor and co-host of Out of Bounds on the phone line with me this evening. JT, it's uh, I'm, I'm glad you're here with me, uh, you know, at least in spirit and on the phone line. It, it, it's uh, it gets kind of lonely if you uh, talk on an hour long podcast by yourself. No, I hear you on that, Dylan. Uh, even though I'm chilling here in my house here in Florida, uh, it's good to hear your voice. We miss you at work, man. Yeah, I know, and I miss you guys too. Even though I've been gone for what uh, 24 hours, but still, yeah, I miss you guys too. Um, and I'll be back soon. I'm just kind of hanging up here with Ann Bailey's family. I'm actually in. John Cameron, her brother's room right now because he's at USM doing something. Um, University of Southern Miss, I'm sorry, um, doing something tonight. Some, I think it was a Bob concert is happening tonight. You at USM, so he's going to learn about Bob's, you know, uh, his ideas of the world being flat. So. I don't know if you've heard about that story. Yeah, I mean, uh, B.O.B. came out a while back saying the world was flat and um, he needs scientific evidence that it's not. So he's he's going to start a Kickstarter page asking for like $20,000 or something to get satellites to launch into space and do his own research. Although science backs, I mean, we've done so much research on this on this topic that we have debunked the world being flat, but B.O.B., doesn't believe it so i guess he decided to take matters into his own hands so good for him and if you donate to that kickstarter page you're an idiot um that's just plain and simple so let's get into some news though let's start with football with college football we're going to recap week eight of college football action um jt there were some big games this weekend this past weekend um and starting off on thursday night memphis had a close game against houston and uh, squeezed by with a 42-38 victory. Yeah, I mean, you were watching this game at Kitty O'Shea's last Thursday. So <clears throat> that was a very close game. Riley Ferguson, you know, keeping his team in it. And Houston kind of botched it at the end of the game for uh, Memphis to come away with that victory. Uh, another big game that happened this week, Dylan. Uh, unfortunately for my Longhorns, we lost again to Oklahoma State. In, it was very in close. overtime. In yeah, overtime. Yeah, I know, oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and it doesn't look bad because our, our quarterback, Sam um, Elringer, he looks like he uh, got a concussion in that game. Ugh. So he's probably going to be out for this up next game for the Longhorns. <clears throat> so not looking good for us at the moment. And let's see. Uh, Penn State, Dylan. We, I know you said last week that game was going to be a close game, but, man, were we wrong? I mean, Penn State, Tracy McSor- Trace McSorley, man, he is just wrecking it all over Michigan in that game on Saturday night. That team looks solid. It looks like every single phase of that game they play is just ranked a 10 or higher. I mean, it's on a scale of 10. Uh, you know, with Alabama playing the way they are and Penn State playing the way they are, um, you know, I, I think I would love to see Alabama versus Penn State. I think that would be a fantastic game to see. And I think if the college football playoffs, ha- if they had any say in this whole thing, which they do, uh, if they had any say in this thing, I think they would want to see like Alabama versus Penn State in the national championship game. Don't you? 
No, I agree, Dylan. I mean, it's no question Alabama's been the best team, but Penn State, I mean, they've been impressive. Uh, James Franklin, who was at Vanderbilt before he went to Penn State, he's done a great job for that program. So good luck to Penn State this week against Ohio State. Uh, speaking of O schools, Oklahoma, they got by K-State. They were losing that game. Yeah, they were. And uh, Baker Mayfield leads them to another comeback uh, in the fourth quarter with 22 points at the end to uh, get them over K-State. Uh, Dylan, you got this prediction right. Notre Dame absolutely destroyed USC. Dominated. Dominated. Wow. It was absolutely a dominant performance by Notre Dame. Kudos to them because that was, like I said, they play well on national television. I mean, it's either a close game and they win it, or it is just an absolute blowout. This one was a blowout, 49-14 to against the USC Trojans. Just a game that no one really thought was going to happen. I mean, Notre Dame is a strong team, too. They're a strong competitor, and I mean, I, I don't see them missing... Uh, if they continue to play this dominant, I don't see them missing the college football playoffs at all. Um, going back to Oklahoma, you know, with um, Baker Mayfield, he's adding to his resume for his MVP this season for the Heisman Trophy um, at the end of the season. I think that he is the leading contender for the Heisman Trophy, and if he continues to play the way he's playing, he is going to be setting some records there in Oklahoma before the year is done. Um, Speaking of records, uh, this is not a good one. Tennessee is looking awful with Butch Jones at the helm, like we've talked about several weeks in a row on this show. Um, Alabama just pounced on Tennessee and just did not let up the entire game. It was 45-7. to Tennessee did score one lone touchdown, and the wide receiver wanted the fans to know it. He actually ran into the end zone and flipped them two birds. So it was fantastic to watch. Um, that was the only funny thing that happened. Uh, the rest of the game, I, you know, the Tennessee sideline just looked defeated. Uh, they did not look good on the sideline, and, and Butch Jones was upset. I mean, you know, I would be too if I knew that I was on the outside looking in because, I mean, he's losing that locker room. That That's the biggest thing um, to take away from this whole situation in Tennessee. Uh, even Paul Feinbaum was talking about it, saying that Tennessee needs to cut the cord. They need to say, look, Butch Jones, thank you for your service for these past five years. We appreciate what you've done here in Tennessee, but guess what? Bye. I mean, just leave. There's no way. There's no reason for you to still be here. You're not producing for this school, and we're never going to get to the potential that we can get to with you at the helm of this team. Um, find another job somewhere else. Here's your eight million dollar buyout, and um, we'll get somebody else in there that can actually coach a football game correctly. Uh, Butch Jones is not that coach at all, and we've seen it the past few weeks. And this weekend. Tennessee will play Kentucky. We'll talk about it in just a moment, but Tennessee will play Kentucky, and that's going to be a must-win game for Butch Jones to um, continue his career in Tennessee. So I I think that we need to talk about that one in just a little bit. Um, Some other key games that happened. UCF is still dominating um, this season. They won against Navy 31-21. Another game, Auburn versus Arkansas, another SEC matchup. Arkansas still looking awful as well, uh, 52-20 to against the Auburn Tigers, and TCU dominant over Kansas, uh, 43-0 to in that game, and um, another close game, West Virginia versus Baylor, Baylor lost that game by two points, two points, 38-36, to so 
um, some crazy games. And also, the last the last game of the week last week was Washington State versus Colorado. I thought Colorado would give Washington State um, some sort of pushback, but they didn't at all. Washington State ran away with it, twenty eight to zero. Oh yeah, and don't forget, Dylan. Uh, Louisville beat Florida State thirty one twenty eight. Yes, that, that's a big game, too. I mean, it looks like Lamar Jackson might get back into his groove, so we'll see if that continues this week. Um, I don't think it will, but, you know, it was just it was a, it was a bright spot on Lamar Jackson's uh, resume this season because he's had a lot of dismal-looking ones so far. So moving on to this coming up week's slate of games, let's talk about some upsets, JT. What is your upset of the week this week? Well, we already got one upset that looks like it's going to happen. Florida State Seminoles are down twenty-eight to three right now to Boston College. Ooh. yeah, that's that's I'm sure that's huge. Tom O is thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> but, Absolutely thrilled. Uh, but uh, my upset that I'm going to pick this week, uh, here we go, is I'm going to lean towards West Virginia getting an upset at on on at home on their home field against Oklahoma State. I know Oklahoma State's the hot team coming in right now, but West Virginia, you know, they've been playing very well offensively. Their quarterback, he's been doing exceptionally well. Uh, Will Greer, you can't count him out. 26 touchdowns. He's doing exceptionally well for them. So I think West Virginia's got a real shot to upset uh, Mike Gundy and his mullet, you know, upset them (laughs) at home. It's going to be tomorrow at 12 o'clock, guys, Saturday, 12 o'clock. Eastern, noon game, so you got to watch it. I know I will be watching it. All right, so now to my upset of the week. I mean, looking at these slate of games, I'd probably have to go with Houston versus South Florida. Um, Houston looked really, really good this past week, and we just talked about it. They looked very, very good. Um, I think that, you know, Houston can go there to South Florida, and I think they can win that game. So I think Houston will beat South Florida this weekend um, and end the miraculous streak that South Florida has been on this season. Um, it, it's, it's, it's tough. That's a tough game to predict, but you know what? For some reason, my gut's telling me Houston will pull out the win against USF. So I think that's going to be the game, big game to watch. And that's my upset of the week. All right, Dylan, we also got some other games to keep our eye on. We got TCU against Iowa state. Of course, the big one, Penn state against Ohio state, North Carolina state against Notre Dame, Georgia tech against Clemson and then Texas tech, Against Oklahoma, although Texas Tech, I mean, they you know didn't look the best this past weekend playing against Iowa State, losing thirty-one to thirteen. But yeah, I mean that still could be a possibly a good game. Baker Mayfield will continue his um, his march to the Heisman Trophy, so we'll see if he can put up some good numbers in that game and beat the Texas Tech Raiders. Um, we'll see if that. Can and don't actually... forget, Dylan, about the biggest cocktail party, Georgia against Florida Gators. You think Florida has a shot at upsetting Georgia this weekend or no? I will put it to you in one word. No. <laughs> I don't think it's going right. to happen. Even even John Cameron, <laughs> I've talked to John Cameron about this. We had a a 7 a 7 hour car drive together uh to coming over here to Mississippi and even he said it, it's not going to happen. And uh, Georgia is going to completely demolish Florida on the field and it's not going to be a pretty sight. All right, on that note, Dylan, let's move on to the NFL uh, as we had some a lot of good games this past week in the NFL. 
And why is this thing here? Our Titans, of course, we got a 13-9, to 12-9 win over the Browns, which I was not expecting that, Dylan. I thought we were going to play much better than that. But, hey, a win's a win, right? I guess so. I mean, if, if you call a win a, a offense that cannot move the ball down the field whatsoever – on either side of the ball, and it's all field goals in one game, then yeah, sure, that's a game. Uh, I mean, a, a win's a win, it is, but Titans need to tighten things up, and I think something is going to be coming uh-huh. this next week. I like week. what you did there. <laughs> See, thank you. Um, I, I think something's going to be coming uh, after this bye week, which we'll talk about in just a moment, um, that might help the Titans' offense a little bit, so we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Um, but some other games that happened this weekend, uh, the Steelers actually look like they've rebounded a little bit. They won 29-14 to against the Bengals. Um, the Chargers dominated the Broncos, which I didn't think that was going to happen because the Broncos have one of the best defenses in the league this season still. Um, they won 21 to zero against the Broncos, which that's an ugly, ugly game for them. Um, the yeah, Packers, first shutout in 25 years. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's absolutely incredible. Um, the Packers could not win with Brett Hundley under center. Um, the Saints roll in that game, 26-17. to 17. Drew Brees putting up some serious numbers once again. Alvin Kamara um, is looking good for my fantasy team this season, so I'm keeping him on my lineup. Um, it, that was a great game to watch, too. Yeah, Dylan, how about the Patriots shutting down that Falcons offense? That was a stunner how the Falcons have just fallen the last three games. But Atlanta fans think that it was fog machines that were plaguing the Falcons. <laughs> so I, you know what? It was probably all those fog machines. That's probably what happened there. Uh, but yeah, no, the Patriots looked absolutely dominant. If it was fog machines, it would have been affecting both teams. I, it, it was just, you know, in, in Maryland, they have those low-lying clouds every once in a while, and it just happened to settle right in the middle of the field. They could not show any camera angles pretty much on NBC, but I mean, it was, it was a good game for the Patriots. Patriots did look very dominant in that game and showed how dominant they were. And they continue to be ever since last Super Bowl um, last year, winning against the Falcons in that comeback fashion. So great game to watch there. Um, What were some other games that stuck out to you, JT? Oh, the Monday night game, Carson Wentz did really well. And as they beat the Redskins, so that was a game that uh, really impressed me uh, for the Eagles, and they're staying hot, 34-24. Uh, Carson Wentz had four touchdown passes. Uh, Kirk Cousins hung in there. He had three touchdown passes and had over 300 passing yards. So that was really good. Uh, one impressive stat, though, Dylan, the, the Dallas Cowboys just blew up the 49ers, 40-10. to I know the 49ers are 0-7, so not much to cheer about them. But Ezekiel Elliott. Three touchdowns, 219 passing yards. I would have to say that's a pretty good, pretty good day. What do you think? Yeah, that's a huge day for him. Um, you know, it, it's it was a huge day for Ezekiel Elliott. Um, my girlfriend decided not to trade him away once that whole suspension, the suspension rumors thing were happening because people were trying to get him. Um, cough, cough, Logan. But you know, Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott did look dominant on the field. He got and Bailey a lot of points on our fantasy team, which she was really excited about. Which you shouldn't get too happy about because I mean, it's not going to happen every single week with Ezekiel Elliott, and also with this being the potentially the last week he plays this season because they are going to be meeting with the judge this coming up week about his suspension. 
suspension to see if they need to uphold that six-game suspension um, for the rest of the season, which it might hurt his team even more than it would have if he set out the first six games of the season. We'll see what happens in that situation. But, um, yeah, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott ran all over that defense, and the 49ers had no chance in that game, especially with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott playing at the top of their, at the top of their game that game. All right, Dylan. Well, let's move on and preview this week's games. Uh, we already had one week, uh, one game in the books. The Ravens destroying the Dolphins, forty to zero, last night. Even though Joe Flacco he did get injured in that game or out with a concussion. Yes, um, and that that was an awful hit by um, Kiko Alonso. I believe that's going to be talked about um, in our later segments with Uncle Bobby when he joins us on the show. But yeah, that was a dominant game by the Ravens. The Dolphins had no answers. Matt Moore, I thought he was going to do more with that offense. He'd been in that offense. Um, for the past few years now after coming over from Carolina, but uh, Miami just could not put anything together on offense, so that led to the 40-0 score. Um, And, you know, hopefully we won't have as many shutouts as we did last weekend because we had three shutouts last weekend, which is phenomenal. Um, I believe the most shutouts we've had in a single week in the NFL was four shutouts. That happened back in 1983, I believe, in the 83 season. But um, that's, that's huge, having three in one week. Hopefully this week is not the same, but... Yeah, that was an absolutely awesome game for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, kudos to them for winning that game so effectively. Some other games we need to be looking for. Um, one of the games I'm going to be most interested in um, is probably going to be the Patriots and Chargers because the Chargers have um, ramped up on offense. Uh, Phillip Rivers is looking quite quite good um, under center nowadays. And so, I mean, that game might be closer than people think. Um, especially since they've been surging and, you know, uh, we might see a, a different San Diego Chargers team on the field this Sunday um, compared to half of the season this year. So we'll see if uh, the Patriots can pull that one out, but that's going to be the game I want to watch this weekend. What about you, JT? Oh, the game that I definitely want to watch this weekend, is going to be the Texans and the Seahawks. Um, I think that's going to be a really good game. Russell Wilson against Deshaun Watson. Uh, that's going to be very interesting dynamic between those two quarterbacks. Texans, I know J.J. Watt's injured, so he's out for the season. But you still guys saw defense, and the Seahawks have that uh, offense. So that's going to be an interesting game that I'm definitely going to keep my eye on. Yeah. Um, let's move on to some league news, some injuries, and also some players coming back from injury. The number one thing that I want to talk about is Corey Davis, the wide receiver that we picked in the first round for the Tennessee Titans. He is actually coming back. After the bye week, he'll start practicing, and he might be an immediate uh, impact player for this Titans offense because the Titans offense has been sputtering the past few weeks, and so hopefully he can um, ignite this offense and they can actually get some points on the board other than field goals. I think that he's going to be a huge key to the offense in Tennessee. Um, Also, Josh Norman looks like he's coming back from injury. Uh, He's going to be playing against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. Um, And some other news, I believe that Stephon Diggs and Michael Floyd from the Minnesota Vikings are out with injuries, and they are questionable for Sunday's game um, against uh, the Cleveland Browns in London. And then some other um, key injuries, uh, Charles Clay is actually going to be out for the Sunday game against the Oakland Raiders. Richie Incognito remains day-to-day with an injury. He was limited at practice practice this week and is listed as questionable. Are there any other players that I missed there, JT? No, no, I think you got them all. Cool. 
All right. And also, also John Ross um, is officially off the injury report. The rookie should be playing against the Indianapolis Colts this week. And it will be his first start since week two, even though he's had zero catches and one rush for 12 yards this season. So uh, let's move on to some baseball news. The LA Dodgers defeated the Chicago Cubs and the Houston Astros came back to defeat the New York Yankees. And they both advanced the World Series. And at the very end of that uh, that whole thing, Joe Girardi, the manager of the New York, New York Yankees, longtime manager of the New York Yankees, um, was let go at the end of the season. Do you think this was a good move for the Yankees? Uh, I think the Yankees had to move on, Dylan. He's been there for 10 years. You know, yeah, he won a World Series in 2009. But you know how it is in baseball. It's, what have you done for me lately? And Joe Girardi, you know, he had a roster to get the team to the World Series. And they came up short against a Houston team that was just dominant at home. And, you know, the Yankees, you know, they're going to have to find another manager to see what they're going to do. I mean, it's kind of a quick trigger. Look what happened in Boston. John Farrell, yeah, you won a World Series, but they haven't done much for lately. So you get knocked out by Houston in the first round, you're out the door. So Yankees, same same scenario. So no surprise. Yeah. Um, and so my, my prediction for the World Series was going to be the Cubs and the Astros. Um, the Cubs didn't work out because they lost in the in um, in their game, uh, their series. But I mean, the LA Dodgers and Houston Astros are there. Astros are there, like I said, they were going to be. Um, and as of right now, it's tied one one. I believe the Astros are playing the Dodgers as we speak. JT, do you have an update on the score of that game right now? Yes, right now they're in the. They just finished the fifth inning, and the Houston Astros are up five one against the LA Dodgers. And I, like like we talked about before, they're dominant at home. And I think that if they win these two games at home, the series is over. I think the Dodgers won't be able to come back from that deficit. Um, going back to Los Angeles, three-one in the series. I mean, down three-one in the series. That's going to be really hard for the Dodgers to. Uh, that's that's going to be a tough hole to crawl out of if you're um, the Dodgers right now. So, if Houston pulls out this game and pulls out the next game at home, um, Dodgers. I'm sorry, I don't think your chances of winning the World Series um, are going to be very bright when it goes back to Los Angeles. So, um, and a big game though, the other night in game two, uh, they had, uh, the Astros came back in that game, had home runs in the ninth, 10th, 11th innings and, uh, one game two on Wednesday, uh, and there were 11 innings and eight home runs between the two teams in that game. So absolutely phenomenal numbers there. Uh, let's move on to some basketball news, JT. Uh, I'll give you the microphone. Well, speaking of Los Angeles, Dylan, uh, Lonzo Ball for the LA Lakers had a big game. Uh, this past week against the Washington Wizards on Wednesday night. Now, I know he only had six points, but the Lakers as a team was able to shut down John Wall. He only had 18 points, and the Lakers uh, ended up winning that game 102 to 99. So, interesting fact there as Lonzo Ball looks to carry the Lakers throughout the season. Uh, the Warriors and the Cavaliers are off the slow starts. The Cavaliers lost the Orlando Magic, and the Warriors. You know, they are 3-2 and two right now. So the Warriors, you know, Steph Curry, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they've been to back-to-back-to-back NBA Finals. So maybe they're moving a little slow trying to get their feet going. But I still expect the Warriors and Cavaliers to be at top at the end of the season. Speaking of the Orlando Magic, Dylan, the Orlando Magic, they are leading the Eastern Conference right now. Aaron Gordon, he scored 41 points the other night against the Brooklyn Nets. And they beat the Cavaliers on Sunday. So the Orlando Magic... They are on fire and leading the Eastern Conference right now at 3-1. Speaking of 3-1, the Magic did have a game tonight. They played the San Antonio Spurs, 
and they won that game. I believe it was one fourteen to ninety four. I believe it was. Okay, I'll have to double check on that later. But yeah, I know the Magic won, so they are four and one, and they are leading the Eastern Conference. The Spurs were going to that game undefeated. They were four and zero, but we lost. And the Spurs have been impressive still. They're still in the Western Conference without Kawhi Leonard and without Tony Parker. So the Spurs are going to be all fine. The Phoenix Suns, Dylan, who we talked about last week, they fired their coach after three games. And the new guy they brought in, they've now won two games in a row. So it looks like the Phoenix Suns have <laughs> totally figured it out. Yeah, they speaking really have. Teams, yeah, man. Uh, speaking of teams in the desert, let's talk about the hottest team in the desert right now. No, it's not the Arizona Coyotes, Dylan. It's nope. the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> yeah, the Vegas Golden Knights, man, they are on a hot streak right now. Um, they lost Mark andre Andre Fleury. Uh, they also lost Subban, which was their backup goalie. So they're down two of their their main goalies, uh, but they're still winning games. I mean, they, they are on a hot streak right now. They are 8-1 this season, 8-1-0 this season. Um, they are just dominating every team they're playing, and it, it's it's not pretty for everyone else that's playing them. Uh, you know, with expansion teams, it's hard. It's tough to find chemistry with those players because they're usually just uh, players that were just kind of, you know, put together and say, hey, let's see if this works, but... Like we've talked about in previous weeks, I mean, with the expansion rules the way they are right now, they they got some really good players in the expansion draft, especially James Neal from Na- Na- the, from the National Predators, which we we miss him dearly every single game. But uh, you know, it, it's incredible to see this team, the resiliency they have, um, and they are looking very very good. And we'll see if it actually continues throughout the season because that'll be a really interesting storyline to see if they make a playoff push. Because I mean that will be a really really uh, awesome feat for an for a uh, an expansion team to actually make the playoffs their first year in the league. Um, speaking of Nashville Predators, the Nashville Predators um, have been looking pretty good this season. Their record so far um, in the Western Conference is four three and two. Um, they have ten points on the season. They have twenty three goals for, twenty four goals against, only a one goal def- a negative one goal differential. Um, but they've lost two games in a row. Their last game, they actually lost in overtime in a shootout, um, and their shootout numbers are not looking so good. Last season, they had six shootouts, and they only won two of those games, which led to shootouts. Uh, so it's tough pill to swallow to see the Predators play um, in a shootout and also play in overtime periods as well, because especially during the regular season with three-on-three, they are not very strong on three-on-three, and it showed. I mean, they actually looked pretty good in the three-on-three last night or the, this past game. But um, you know, it, it's it's tough pill to swallow to see them uh, struggle so much in the shootout. But they are playing tonight. However, um, JT, do you have an update on that score? Um, as of right now, the Predators. Come on, computer, hurry up! The Predators. <laughs> last I checked. They were up. Yes, they're still up two one oh. against Blackhawks right now. Hallelujah. Okay, well that's good. That's the first time I've heard of that score, so I, I'm glad they're actually winning. Um, but yeah, ho- hopefully we don't lead to an overtime period. We don't need another overtime period. We at least need a win, and I, winning in Chicago right now, I think, would get the team back where it needs to be. So we're still third in the Central Division, which is good, but I think we can still do better throughout the season. Um, keep your eye on the National Predators because they're definitely going to make a run. 
um, once again this season because every year Peter Laviolette's been in Nashville so far, we've gone to the playoffs. The first year, we got knocked out in the first round. Second year, we got knocked out in the second round. And the third year, we made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. So, um, sky's the limit for the National Predators this season. And speaking of which, let's talk about the Washington Capitals. JT, give us some more information on Alex Ovechkin and the boys. Well, the Capitals right now have four wins, five losses, and an overtime loss. Uh, the Capitals, um, we beat the Detroit Red Wings last week, and then we lost to the Vancouver Canucks last night. So Ovechkin's doing okay. He's got 10 goals uh, so far this season. Uh, but we had some injuries. So Burakasi's going to be out for a while. And um, Brooke, Brooks Orpik's going to be out for a while. So our defense is banged up right now. So the Capitals, they're just trying to hang in there uh, until they get ready for their next game. And the Capitals will be playing... Uh, their next game will be against, if I can pull it up real quick, against the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow night. Okay. Very good. Very good. So hopefully they oh, perform well and against And then one more thing. The Orlando Magic, they beat the Spurs 114-87. Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. All right, All right, Dylan. What's been your surprise or disappointment in the NHL so far? Surprise, I would have to go with the Golden Knights. I mean, they, they like I said, they are an expansion team. They shouldn't be playing as well as they are because – um, of of previous expansion teams that have come into the league, but they are playing lights out in um, in in Las Vegas, winning eight of their last nine games, and they have sixteen points right now. Um, they are second in the Pacific Division only because they are one game back from the Kings, who have played ten games so far with an eight one and one record. Um, they have a, a plus fifteen differential right now, which is fantastic for that team. Uh, Golden Knights are definitely my surprise. My disappointment, however, has to go to the Eastern Conference and at the very bottom of the Atlantic Division, the Montreal Canadiens. I had so much uh, to look forward to with this team this season. There is so much going on there in Montreal, having Shea Weber on defense. Um, they had some very good pieces offensively as well. Their defense was the main part of that of that. Yeah, of that team, uh, and they're also their goalie, Carey Price, hasn't been playing as well either. Um, they have only gotten so far offensively. They've only made 18 goals, and they've given up 38 goals um, in 10 games so far. It does not look good for them. They're two seven and one right now with a negative 20 goal differential, um, and it, it's just not looking pretty in Montreal. Hopefully, they get back on their horse and and figure out what's going on in that team. Um, but first of all, they need to start scoring goals. So I think Montreal is definitely my disappointment of the year so far. Um, JT, who are your surprises and uh, disappointments? Uh, my surprise team would have to be the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, so since Travis Green took over that team, a lot of people thought they were going to rebuild this year. But the Canucks, they've won like five straight games to beat my Capitals 6-2 to last night. And they look really good. Henrik Sedin looked good. Their goaltending is playing very well. And the Canucks, they've been the big surprise. So they might surprise along with the LA Kings in the Western Conference uh, this season. My disappointment has to be the New York Rangers. The New York Rangers, okay, I know they've had some injuries. Henry Lugwes has not played well. But you let uh, Derek Stefan go. You trade him. You let your goalie, Anton Renta, go as a backup. You bring in Mike Zim- Zim- Mika Zibinijad. I hope I said that right. <laughs> Take over for the the middle of your order for your lineup, but that's a big hole to replace, and he so far hasn't been able to do it. And on top of that, you bring in 
our former capital defenseman, Kevin Shattenkirk, and he hasn't done nothing, absolutely nothing for the Rangers so far. So that's why they are my disappointment uh, for the league so far this month. All right. Well, uh, moving on to JT's football recap of the week. JT, the microphone is all yours. Thanks, Dylan. All right. So for my football recap of the week, we're going to do a weekend recap just to give you an update on the USL playoffs. The Tampa Bay Rowdies defeat Cincinnati, uh, FC Cincinnati, excuse me, 3 0. So they advance the next round. They will be taking on the New York Red Bulls, too, tomorrow night at Al Lang Stadium. Uh, English Premier League, Chelsea came back to beat Watford 4-2. So amazing game. And Manchester United, they lost 2-1 against Huddersfield Town. Shocker in that game this past weekend. MLS Decision Day, it was this past Sunday. San Jose won late in their match to advance in the playoffs. So they are in the playoffs. Orlando City News, Orlando City had to play a game against the Philadelphia Union. And Orlando City, Kakao was not in that game. But Orlando City just... If they were going to Philadelphia expecting brotherly love, that was not happening because the Philadelphia Union destroyed Orlando City's defense 6-1. So we were not looking good in that game. El Cino and Fabrice Picol, he scored. They both of them got two goals each. So our only goal we got was from Dom's wire in that game. So Orlando City, uh, our season's over. Uh, We're going to have to rebuild Kaká. You can still get one more chance to see Kaká. We got friendly on November 4th against Forza Puerto Rico to raise money for hurricane relief for Puerto Rico. And Kyle Laren, he said he wants out uh, Orlando City. So it looks like he's going to be gone in January going to Europe. All right, Dylan, on to some soccer news. Uh, for the USSF President update, Eric Winalda has confirmed that he's going to run for U.S. Soccer Presidency along with Steve Gans. Uh, and you got Sunil Galati in there as well. So those would be the official ones so far. And still no war on if Landon Donovan is going to run yet. So we'll keep you updated on that. As for MLS playoffs, we had some MLS playoff games that happened. Um, we had the Chicago Fire losing the New York Red Bulls 4-0 on Wednesday night. Vancouver defeating San Jose Earthquakes 5-0. And then, of course, last night we had action down in Atlanta. Columbus upset Atlanta United 3-1 on penalty kicks to advance to the next round. So good for those guys. And the Houston Dynamo upset Sporting Kansas City 1-0 in extra time. All right, Dylan. On to my games to keep an eye on this weekend. Of course, we got a lot of action going on. USL playoffs. As I mentioned, Tampa Bay Rowdy taking on your Red Bulls, too. We got some MLS action for the first leg of the MLS playoffs. So we got Vancouver and Seattle. That's going to be on Sunday at 8.30 on ESPN. On Monday, you got New York Red Bulls against Toronto FC at 7 o'clock. Houston against Portland at 9.30. That's on FS1. And then on Halloween, you got the Columbus crew taking on New York City FC. That's at 8 o'clock. On ESPN, and then of course my European match to keep an eye on this week: Manchester United taking on Tottenham at 7:30 on Saturday on NBCSN, and AC Milan taking on Juve at 12 p.m. on BN Sports. And one more key to keep on this weekend in Liga MX: you got Monterrey taking on Club America. That's on Sunday at 2 p.m. on Univision Deportes. And that will conclude Dylan my football recap. Of the week. Now on to some miscellaneous news. JT, tell us more about the WNBA and the San Antonio Stars. All right, Dylan. So they, WA, WNBA has made that official. So make the San Antonio Stars relocate to Las Vegas. They'll be the first basketball pro basketball team in that market. And Bill Lambert is going to be the president of operations and the coach of that team. So that's going to be very interesting there, Dylan. Orlando Solo Bears, they were on the road this past weekend in Texas, taking on the Allen Americans. 
and they lost and they got a win. So they're two and one so far in the ECHL. They'll have a home opener this weekend, tomorrow night against the Atlanta Gladiators. Nick Saban, he's been announced as the highest paid coach in college football. So no surprise there, Dylan. And Ashton Martin up in the UK, they are selling a Tom Brady car, which I didn't even know Tom Brady had a, a signature car, but they're selling it on the market for $360,000. Dylan, what do you think about that? You know, I did see this commercial for this car. Tom Brady had like a print ad about it, um, him being up, uh, you know, leaning up against it, and it was Aston Martin, whatever. That's insane. $360,000. If you're spending that on a car, you need to set your priorities straight. Even if you have the money for that car, I mean, that's just a, that's a chunk of change. That is a house right there. That is, in Orlando, that is a, a very, very nice house in Orlando. So, I don't know why people would spend that much money on a freaking car. Um, you know, I, I I saw this car when I was a kid, a Porsche Carrera GT. I think it was in like 2012. And I was like, oh my gosh, this car is beautiful. I'm sorry, uh, 2007. I was like, oh my gosh, this car is so beautiful. And then I come to find out uh, the sticker price of that car was starting at $440,000. It's, it's mind-boggling to me to think that somebody would actually spend that much money on a car, especially when you can just buy, like I said, buy a house with it, invest that money, do something with it besides using it on a car. There's no reason you're using it on a car. Um, that's just my take on it. So moving on to my fantasy corner this week, um, there were two questions that came in to me. So this guy lost Carson Palmer on his team. I don't know why he had him in the first place, but he lost him. Uh, his top option on the waiver wire is Josh McCown. He asks, who should I trade away? Um, in this situation, I would probably, I mean, I, he lists all of his players here. He has a good slate of running backs. I think it'll be okay to keep the running backs he has right now. Um, wide receiver-wise, he has Des Bryant, Devontae Adams, Pierre Garçon, Devontae Parker, Doxson, and Galladay. I mean, I would probably just drop uh, a wide receiver. So Galladay or Doxson, I would probably drop one of them to pick up um, Josh McCown because Josh McCown is actually looking very, very good this season. He has 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 1,583 passing yards and a quarterback rating of 91.5. Um, that's quite high for Josh McCown. I didn't think he was going to be playing that well this season so far. So for the New York Jets, I think Josh McCown is definitely a good pickup in that in that league. So I would definitely pick him up and drop one of your wide receivers or one of your running backs um, because they, you have some depth there. And moving on to our last question this week. Um, this guy got a trade offer for Carson Wentz. The offer was Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, and Tevin Coleman for Carson Wentz, Chris Thompson, and LeGarrette Blunt. Now, the players he did offer you, Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, and Tevin Coleman, are actually really, really good players. I, I would definitely consider this trade, highly consider this trade. Um, the only thing I would change, though, is Chris Thompson is kind of a... a I, I would keep him on your bench just for now, even though he's not getting as many receptions or as many carries as the uh, as uh, Kelly, I believe is his name is, over there in Washington, the main running back there. I mean, he still does offer some fantasy value, so I would keep him. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt, I would, I would give away, um, but it looks like on his team, he does have um, Ty Montgomery and Aaron Jones. I would probably drop one of those guys instead and um, definitely keep... Chris Thompson on the bench because he is definitely going to provide some value for you. So Carson Wentz, um, I would probably say Ty Montgomery and LeGarrette Blunt are good players to put in that trade to get Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, and Tevin Coleman. So now we are going to do Uncle Bobby's scam alert. Uncle Bobby joins us on the phone line. 
Uncle Bobby, what is your scam alert this week? Okay, so my scam will be uh, Marshawn Lynch, and uh, the reason why is because I just think that he don't want to play football anymore. Uh, he came out of retirement to play for his hometown Raiders. Um, started out okay, I guess, um, but last week's game, for some reason, the one against the Kansas City Chiefs, when uh, the quarterback Derek Carr was uh, had a hard hit against him, he ran off the bench onto the field to get in the middle of it, and somehow he got involved with one of the uh, refs, and he basically just grabbed him and pushed him back. So, of course, he got ejected, and I guess he got suspended one game. And he doesn't really care, you know. Uh, so I just don't think he's going to play anymore. I mean, I don't know if that's the way he's trying to prove it, but it just looks like to me, then, you know, why come back if you're not really interested in playing? So I don't know how you all feel about it, but that's my look right there that he's just coming back. Yeah, it was it was kind of dumb of him to actually go onto the field and decide, you know what, in this whole process where I'm probably already going to get penalized because I ran on the field without my helmet on from the sideline, I'm just going to push a referee. Like, that's not the best logic when it comes to Marshawn Lynch, even though in the past he hasn't had the best logic when it comes to certain situations that he has dealt with um, on and off the field. So, you know, I, I don't really put it past Marshawn Lynch. I kind of agree with you. I think what's happening is he's frustrated that he's not producing as much as he thought he would coming back into the league. So I don't know if it was because he didn't train properly or he just felt as though it was going to come to him and it just hasn't yet. Or maybe the offensive line in Oakland is not as good as we thought it was. I mean, we saw Derek Carr go down with that injury where he fractured his back and, you know, he was Tony Romo 2.0, essentially. So, you know, we see situations like that unfolding in Oakland. And it's just that team right now, it's just in disarray. Even though last week they did have a killer game, um, I just don't see it being something that's going to have um, continued success, uh, sustained success in Oakland. And if they don't have a running game, I then Amara Cooper's going to get shut down. Um, Crabtree's going to get shut down too. That's the only other good wide receiver they have on the team. And if Derek Carr is not fully healthy, then I don't know how far this Oakland team can actually go because they had high standards coming into the season and they just not ha- have not met those standards at all. So that's my thought on it. JT, what about you? No, I totally agree. You know, Marshawn Lynch, he took a year off and now he's coming back. And I just don't think he has the right mindset. You know, yeah, I'm glad to hear you come back and play in the league, but you got to be focused on playing. And for these few games, I just haven't seen him done much for the Raiders. And I wouldn't be surprised that if he keeps this up, the Raiders are just like, you know what, we're going to shut you down and just release you at the end of the year. And good luck trying to find a job with another team because we're just not going to put up with it anymore. So that's just the way I see it. I agree. All right, now on to winners and losers of the week. JT, I'll start with you first, sir. All right, guys. So my winner this week is going to be the Columbus Crew, uh, particularly the fans doing the hashtag Save the Crew campaign, trying to tell owners around the league to vote no for the owner trying to relocate the team. And the Columbus Crew for the players, a lot of people were wondering how this team was going to react in their playoff game last night. And, man, they showed up, gave a run for Atlanta United, and all of Furl's fans last night in front of 67,000 fans, and they won on penalties 3-1 to one against Atlanta to advance the next round, so they'll take on New York City FC. So congrats to those players. Hopefully they can keep this run going. So 
you know, a lot of people don't learn more about the club and the history and all that. So they're my winner this week. My loser this week, I kind of like a couple. So also my loser is Anthony Precourt, for the owner for the Columbus Crew, because as I mentioned last week, he mentioned he wasn't going to refund the fans, the season ticket holders, who have paid money to renew their tickets, season tickets for next year. So then he does a U-turn because he's getting so much bad PR as of late with this announcement of this pending move. So now he's saying, okay, I'll give you guys so November 3rd to refund your money. So interesting to see how that develops. My other loser this week is the Arizona Coyotes because Dylan, we've, they've played 10 games and they still have not won a game. So they are now the first team to fail to win any of its first 10 games of the season since the 2002-2003 Atlanta Thrashers. Arizona, what is going on, man? All that young talent you got there. Uh, Anthony Randall, you brought in uh, Derek Stefan from the Rangers. And nothing seems to be working. A lot of injuries, a lot of young guys getting hurt. So hopefully uh, Coach Rick Tockett can figure out something because it ain't looking so good in the desert right now. Yeah, it's looking really bad in the desert right now. And I, I think Arizona would rather see, um, you know, the Las Vegas Golden Knights there in, in Arizona besides these Phoenix Coyotes, these Arizona Coyotes, because they are just not playing at the level that they should be playing. And it's, it's, it's hard to watch. Uncle Bobby, who are your winners and losers this week? Okay, so my winner will be uh, Giles Barn from the Orlando City. Um, basically, uh, near the stadium is the uh, you know a lot of homeless around there, um, and he basically walked by somewhere one day, saw uh, mom and a kid out there, and the dogs you know freezing at night and stuff, and he didn't like it. Uh, really got to him, so basically he created a foundation, and he went to uh, Kay Rawlings and the uh, club's uh, chaplain uh, Andy Serlis for help, and they basically launched a Little Heroes Big Hearts uh, event hosted by his charity uh, foundation. And about 60 kids attended. They fed him, gave him some games, gave him some gear for United World Soccer. And basically, he just wants to help uh, out as much as he can with the homeless population. So that's nice to see. All right. And who is your loser? So my loser will be the Navy Goat Bucket. So basically, UCF was playing Navy last week. Uh, UCF running back Adrian Killings was just tearing it up. He had a 79-yard touchdown run, was 11 for 111. And on that last play, when he went out of bounds, he got a, like a late hit, and it rolled him into where the Navy goat was and the bucket. And I guess the angle of where he hit, he got injured, had to be taken out of the game, helped out, uh, never came back. So I don't know what the injury update is yet. I haven't heard. But, you know, it goes back to like when, you know, other mascots get in the way and someone gets, uh, you know, either hurt or closely hurt. Uh, and I just don't understand why, you know, you always see players run into like the sideline, like somebody on the sideline, a camera crew, whatever. And you guys got to find a way to keep everybody back as far as possible to where this doesn't happen. But I don't know if it ever will, but so that's my loser right there. All right. I agree. Uh, I, th- I think that, you know, people on the sidelines, they usually do cause the most injuries. You usually see actually several injuries on the sidelines more than what you see on the field sometimes. So, um, you know, I don't know how they can really fix that or remedy that, but you know, it's it's tough to see a player going down like that. Hopefully, he comes back on the field soon. So this week, I don't have a winner, uh, but I have not two losers, but three losers. Okay, so first of all, I'm gonna start with Tiger Woods. He was on the up and up. He was gonna come back from his back surgeries and and everything, addictions and whatnot, whatever. Um, well. Come to find out, he just got pulled over for reckless driving. He pled guilty for reckless driving, and he's getting probation. So, you know, at just as we thought Tiger Woods was out of the uh, the thick of it all, he decides to get back, uh, get right back into it, and 
and he's just not looking good so far. It's not a good way to start his his upward swing, as you will, back into golf. So we'll see what happens with that situation. Um, my second loser is Marshawn Lynch. He practiced with a high school team this week because he was suspended, like Uncle Bobby was saying, during his scam um, for pushing a referee and running onto the field without his helmet from the sideline. Um, so he actually posted a video on his Instagram page of him playing with high school students from his old high school. Um, and he was in full pads with this. Um, and apparently the California Interscholastic Federation um, pointed to the rule only 9th through 12th grade students may practice with or compete on a high school team. And the Oakland Unified School District had no idea that Marshall Lynch was actually even going to come to the to the to the uh, to the practice. He just kind of showed up and started playing with them, and that's a big no-no. There have been no uh, disciplinary actions taken so far, but I wouldn't be surprised if something did happen. So you know, Marshall Lynch again getting himself in trouble off the field, um, well off the NFL field and onto a high school field, which I would never think. I would have to say that. Um, and then moving on to Joe Girardi. That's my last loser of the week. He is out as the New York Yankees manager. And um, yeah, separates ways with the manager's uh, four-year, $16 million contract that was set to expire. And he released a statement on Thursday saying it was a team's decision to not re-sign him. So kind of saying burn to the Yankees. So we're going to keep an eye on him to see where he might land next season. So those are my losers of this week. Now on to final thoughts. I will start with, let's go with Uncle Bobby first. Okay, so I don't know if you saw the uh, game last night, uh, Baltimore Ravens-Miami Dolphins game. Um, another one of these uh, vicious hits, uh, no ejection. Uh, I just don't understand what the league's up to lately. Uh, it was uh, the Dolphins linebacker Kiko Alonso, and uh, Joe Flacco got off to a good run. Um, of course, as he gets close to where everybody is, he goes to slide down to, to go down on the ground for hopefully a left tap hit or whatever they call it. But instead, uh, Kiko Alonso basically comes in full force still. And for some reason he lowers his right shoulder or yeah, right shoulder and goes right into the helmet of uh, Joe Flacco and takes the helmet off. And the angles afterwards show Flacco just, you can see the days on his face, his hands up for some reason, I don't know what he's trying to do, but he's definitely hurt. And of course he has to go out for the concussion, uh, protocol. I don't know if he ever came back. I didn't watch the rest of the game, but uh, the Alonzo did not get uh, ejected. And I just don't know what they want to call flavor and flower anymore, but this is just getting out of control now. Um, so that's my final thought is the NFL just, just still letting all these hits happen and, you know, a lot more injuries. So I don't know what's going to happen, but that's my final thought. Especially since it was, I mean, he knocked his helmet clean off. And when he did, Joe Flacco actually, something happened with his ear to where he had to get stitches on his ear last night, too. Um, He's in concussion protocol still. And, I mean, you know, it was a very vicious hit. If you you watch it uh, online, there are people out there saying, though, that he was sliding awkwardly. He wasn't sliding like a, a normal quarterback does. But, I mean, still, he was going to the ground. He was giving himself up. There's no reason to come in with a late hit like that. His teammates actually did come and rally behind Joe Flacco, um, and start pushing Kiko Alonso around, which they should, to protect their quarterback. But, you know, e- even though they they won last night, I mean, they might lose a piece in Joe Flacco for at least a week um, if he doesn't clear concussion protocol by the by next weekend, So or this weekend. So, I mean, uh, this coming up weekend for him. 
So, you know. Well, I mean, look, you saw the hit. I mean, you know, it's, it's not like, okay, he's going down, you know, and he sees them down. So he, like I said, rolls over. I mean, you can see how he, he put his shoulder down into him. Yeah, yeah. No, know? he did. He did. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, what about it, you, JT? It was vicious. Well, I didn't see the game last night. Um, I was at the movies with the ladies last night again. But uh, oh I didn't hear God. about what I have happened. to point that out, don't you, JT? <laughs> Jesus. But, uh, but uh, I was... But I did see on Sports Center the hit, and you know the the players and Dolphins were and the Ravens were getting at it, and you know Joe Flacco. I mean, it's unfortunate what happened to him, but you know he hasn't played dominant this season, and you know hopefully he'll be all right going forward. But you know I agree, Uncle Bobby. You know the NFL is going to have to do some when he hits, but concussion protocol is just going to give him bad to worse, man. It's not looking good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So JT, on to your final thoughts. All right, well, my, my final thought is going to be talking about uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. So I remember I talked a few months ago that apparently their owner, Peter Kermonos, was trying to sell the team to uh, Chuck Greenberg uh, to buy the team. Well, apparently, according to the um, to the Carolina Hurricanes uh, fan post, which is Kane's Country on SB Nation, they're saying that the deal apparently has hit a snag because uh, Chuck Greenberg – and his investors, who's trying to buy a team, cannot come up with the money, the $500 million, to, to purchase, the full purchase of the team. So, Hermanos is going to keep hanging on to the team, but, you know, the clock's running out. You know, he's getting, he's 74 years old. He's trying to sell the team, keep it in Carolina. But if he can't get a local investor, billionaire, to invest in that team, then he's going to have to look elsewhere to sell to make money. So, this is not good news for Carolina. Um as we already see what's going on with Arizona, the Coyotes, their situation right now. Of course, the Islanders trying to get out of the Barclays Center. The Calgary Flames wanting a new arena at in Calgary. So, you know, I'm sure the NHL is going to have to monitor the situation very carefully. But uh, Carolina Hurricanes, you know, not looking good, especially when that team, Dylan, they've been dead last in the league in attendance the last two two of the past three seasons. So not looking good in Carolina right now. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, on to my final thought, I'm going to be sending out some well wishes to the Houston Astros. Houston, I, I picked you and the Chicago Cubs to go to the World Series. We all know the Chicago Cubs are not there, but I think you need to win this for one, because I want to make a part of my prediction correct that you would go to the World Series and hopefully win the World Series now because you're still my pick. But, you know, you guys won one game in Los Angeles already. You came back in that game, triumphant victory in Los Angeles. A great job there. But you're going back to Houston where you are undefeated and, you know, you have to pull out two wins in Houston. I think that you have to do that. Keep your home streak going. And I think you have a really good shot at being the Dodgers this year and becoming World Series champions. So go Houston Astros. I'm rooting for you all the way here in Orlando, Florida. And once again, thanks for listening to the show this week, guys. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, Out of Bounds with Dylan James. You can also follow us on Twitter, OOB Podcast. You can check us out on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, and all that good stuff. Also, our website, outofboundspodcast.com. You can email me at dylan at outofboundspodcast.com for any feedback, suggestions, comments, um, anything you want to give me, just uh, let me know, and I will definitely uh, I will definitely email you back. Uh, JT, what are your social media handles, sir? You can reach me at JTSaka88 on Twitter, 
That's at JTSOCKA88. You can email me at JT at outofboundspodcast.com. And you can follow me on my personal sports blog. It's www.jtthesportsguy.com. Uncle Bobby, what is your Twitter handle, sir? So mine is Life is a Big Scam. Every first letter of each word is a capital. Life is a Big Scam. And I keep getting all these strange followers now, so I'm getting kind of freaking about it. But, you know, otherwise it's okay, I guess. But You're becoming no, famous. That's what's happening. You're becoming well, famous. I don't know about that. Not the one. Not the last one I got. I still can't figure out what she's about, so I'm still trying to figure it out. So oh, goodness. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I know. She so, probably anyway. dug up an old episode of us talking about your your decade date that you need, that you still have three <laughs> years to find. So she's probably just trying to fill that void. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> I don't think so, not with her. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, guys, thanks again for listening this week, and I will talk to you guys in Orlando next week. See you guys then. Seven Sports Talk. WBLZ Sports. We've got balls. I'm Stephen Jodderin from Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Hi, I'm Armand Kafai. Be sure to give us a listen for the best coverage in American soccer. Follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod and give us a subscription on iTunes and Google Play. You don't want to miss it. Gen Service offers complete electrical service with a reputation based on quality. Turn to them for residential, commercial, and industrial electrical service. Doesn't matter if it's new construction, homes, electrical panels, hot tubs, generators, or a commercial rewire. The Gen Service team is licensed, bond, and insured to put your electrical concerns at ease. For an electrical contractor with 25 years of service, give Gen Service a call at 740-438-7173. With over 30 years of experience, the smart people call on Doug Peffer painting and pressure washing. Interior, exterior, commercial, or residential, Doug Peffer does it all. Is your house looking ug? Then call on Doug. Doug Peffer Painting and Pressure Washing, 404-966-3361. Mention WBLZ Sports and you'll receive a special We've Got Balls discount. That's Doug Peffer Painting and Pressure Washing, 404-966-3361. We are not Vegas, guys. We're just two guys from South Carolina. Making our picks. Doing what we love. That's it. No bunkum, no bullshit. We don't have credit cards of the day. We're not hanging out with Frella Mafia. Even though we wish we were. The Burger and Badass Show. Thursday night from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And Saturday morning from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. Exclusively on WBLZ Sports. We got the balls. Danny, I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get you the ball. Are you going to get me the oh, ball? I'll get you the, oh, get the ball. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God.
Sports. I hope he didn't kill somebody.